you ready to join us for the time of your life? Seniors Association Kingston Region presents a radio show and podcast developed and presented by our members. I'm Don Amos, Executive Director for the Association. Time of Your Life explores how to live with purpose, providing a wealth of knowledge for our listeners on a variety of topics, from health to finance and everything in between. And of course, finding out about the latest leisure and recreation activities happening at the Seniors Association. Here is this week's edition of Time of Your Life. Compassionate Communities is a global movement that started nearly 25 years ago, came to Kingston a couple of years ago. I'm Elizabeth McDonald with Time of Your Life, and I'm here today with Florence Campbell and Eleanor Ravore, members of the Kingston Steering Committee, and we want to find out what's happening with Compassionate Communities Kingston. And Florence, let's let's just start with, um, is there a foundational, a fundamental goal that is guiding you in the work that's happening here in Kingston? Uh, thank you, Elizabeth. Yes, there is. And we have one um, very uh, ambitious goal, and that is to change two social norms in our society, and I'll explain each one of them. The first one is to uh, change our culture from one in which we instinctively decline help from personal and community networks to one that readily asks for and accepts help. For example, if you offer me help, I'm likely to say, thank you for asking, but I'm just fine, even if I'm not. So how do we change that social norm? So that has to do with the individual. On the other hand, the role of the community How can we create a community culture that is confident, willing, and capable of offering and providing help to those in need? If I decline help from you every time you offer, you'll lose confidence or knowledge about how to go about offering help. So you'll say to me in the end, in frustration, let me know if there's anything I can do, and we all know where that goes nowhere. It's like saying we should have coffee sometime. So our big, big goal is to change those two norms, one on to ask for help and one on provide help in the community. Very worthy goals, very ambitious. How do you come at this, that you could come at this from many different directions? It is ambitious. It's daunting sometimes, but it's very exciting. Well, we've had uh, both large and small community meetings in the last two years, Um, 65 people at a time or 10 people at a time. And over that period of time, we've developed with community volunteer input, it's all volunteer-driven, five themes that we believe if we can execute projects under the umbrella of those five five themes, they will help us reach our goal. So one example, for example, is we are a death-denying society. And our reluctance to ask for help becomes very problematic when a serious illness is looming and we haven't done any planning. We don't want to talk about it with our loved ones. It's the elephant in the room. But talking about dying never killed anyone. We spend more time planning our vacations than we do our wishes, our beliefs, our values of what we want personal and health care as we approach our final years. People tell us 
I wish we'd had these conversations before my spouse died so our family could have spent time grieving together instead of feeling guilty. What would he have wanted? Did we make the right decisions? Or they say, I know what I want to ask, I just don't know how to ask it. Or my family won't discuss it. So we're providing public education on how to do advanced care planning. So that's one theme. And what are some of the other themes that have emerged from your goals? Well, the second very interesting one is um, we now know that loneliness and social isolation are among the latest important public health issues. And we're told that if you've experienced deep loneliness, it's uh, in terms of an impact on your health, it's about the same as 15 cigarettes a day. Now, I don't know how to prove that, but that's the word that's going around. There was an Angus Reid poll in 2019 that said one in five adults and 50% of those 80 years and over suffer deep loneliness. About a third of the residents in long-term care homes never receive a visitor. And 20% aren't certain that they'd have someone they could count on for emotional support during times of personal crisis. So we're developing projects to help tackle that issue. Wow. Wow, there will be many in the community, not just um, older adults who may be dealing directly with isolation, but their network of family and friends who uh, you've already talked about can often be concerned without necessarily knowing how to be supportive or how to, uh, how to offer help. That's right, uh, that's yeah. right. Now, obviously, loneliness applies to all ages. We hear teenagers being very lonely, too. Unfortunately, at the moment, we're just concentrating on those over 55 years, just in terms of an initial focus. Right. Other themes you're working on? Another one is, um, how do we find out about all the compassionate initiatives that are already underway in Kingston so that we can champion their successes, tell their stories, share ideas across the community, and hopefully minimize duplication of effort. For example, the faith communities are historically perhaps our most compassionate institutions and have a number of very important uh, programs and projects underway. The Senior Center is another example. So we, we need to find out what's already going on so that we can all work together more effectively and get rid of silos. And is there, have we covered all the themes no, yet? Is there anything else? A couple else? more, actually. Couple more. All right, let's go. Let's go for it. Another thing we could do is search out successful ideas in other communities across Canada and around the world that are part of this movement that could work in our community and then publicize them. An interesting, simple one that appeared in a small community in the UK is called Happy to Chat Benches. And so they have um, a benches, and that's now gone viral with a sign on them that says, please sit here if you don't mind someone stopping to say hello. That's one. I think that's quite fun. And there's a person in town who's pretty interested in this. It's a fabulous idea. And it would be great to see something like that here in Kingston. And it's simple. And then another example is what we call caregiver kits. Uh, Finding uh, One of our senior librarians in town found caregiver kits in Burlington, Ontario, and is now working with the Alzheimer's Society. And these are kits that would be ultimately available in the library that you could take out for caregivers with ideas of games and other um, ideas to help stimulate the people for whom they're caring and to relieve perhaps some of the stress on caregivers. 
So some very exciting initiatives are beginning to take shape, are beginning to emerge. Eleanor, you're involved in one of these initiatives. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Right. Well, um, thanks, Elizabeth. Um, the project that I'm involved in is around storytelling. So this was identified in one of our community forums as a way in which we can heighten awareness within our community about some of the existing services that would be of benefit to individuals or to families that are caring for individuals. And the, the idea behind it is that often we will hear about services and we'll hear what they're about, but we don't always hear the story behind the people that provide that service or the people that actually use it and, and get an understanding of the benefit of the service. So we thought, let's take that on and begin to um, do some storytelling that can be put onto the website for Compassionate Communities Kingston, Canada. So an, a very exciting prospect. I can imagine that it's going to take... Um, fair bit of work and a number of people to actually gather these stories. So, so can, yeah. how, how are you actually going to uh, gather right. all of this information? Well, I would say you're right on one of those two counts. Um, it does require a fair number of people, but it didn't require nearly the amount of work that we anticipated. Mm -hmm. So the way it came about is um, I became connected with a journalist that I had known and worked with in the past. Um, her name is Anne Lukitz, and she's well-known in our community. And, um, and she was agreeing that if we were able to get some stories created, that she would support the process and the editing of those stories. I also was able to connect with um, another colleague that I used to work with, um, Julie White, who is now a professor at St. Lawrence College and oversees a health care administration course. And so the three of us talked about this and said, how about tapping into this class of international students mm -hmm. who all have a healthcare background and who are looking to understand and support Kingston as a community. Um, that's one of the mandates of St. Lawrence College is that they do connect to the community. So, so we immediately were able, to, we were welcomed by St. Lawrence College to do a um, lecture on Compassionate Communities Kingston, Canada, so that the students had an understanding of what, the, what we were trying to achieve. And then they accepted that they would take on the project work of writing these stories. And the next step for us was to identify six stories that at this time they would take on. And they agreed. They were, um, and did a lecture on interviewing and, and um, preparing stories. And these students, there's 38 of them, who have now interviewed 18 people that are connected to services within Kingston. And the, the exciting part of the project, I think, is they've learned what the service is, but their interviews have been with the people that provide the service to gain an understanding of why do they believe so strongly in that service, what do they get out 
of providing the service themselves. And then they've talked to people who have been recipients of that to get an understanding of what difference did this make to them? What was the value to them? So it really personalizes the experience of the service. This sounds like a win, 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 win collaboration. I'm so struck that uh, for for those of you in Compassionate Communities Kingston, uh, you're a small group. You've been able to reach out and engage the students at St. Lawrence College. I can see they've learned something mm-hmm. really significant. And in the process of their learning, in the process of their supporting you working on this initiative, the wider community is benefiting. It's win-win all the way around. Exactly. And I think that's why um, all of us have been involved, have found it very exciting. And it's happened at an incredibly accelerated pace. It really Mm -hmm. unfolded over the space of maybe six weeks total. And and we're we're viewing it as a, a pilot, as it were, and we'll learn from the experience of having done this once. Um, But what we know is that um, there will be six stories that go on the um, website that give a different experience and exposure to what some of the services are. And anybody who comes to the Compassionate Communities Kingston Canada website will be able to link directly to those sites as well. But your point about the process itself, like there was the process of doing this, but the the collateral benefit has been exactly as you describe, um, that there's been a reconnection of people that worked together in the past that was quite serendipitous, but it, it was actually great energy when it happened. Um, there's been the connection with the students, and these students are international students that are wanting to be part of our community, and so now they are connected and have learned differently about what Kingston is and what it offers. And um, and then what will happen is, as the stories get presented, everybody, the six groups that have been part of this project, will all come together. So actually those six teams, as it were, will have a connection that they didn't have in the past as well. So it really reinforces that a lot of the work behind Compassionate Communities is about relationships and relationship building and telling what it means at a personal level. More about Compassionate Communities Kingston after this break. The Time of Your Life is available as a podcast, so never miss a show. You can access our podcast network by logging onto our webpage and following the links. Check out seniorskingston.ca. The Time of Your Life continues with Elizabeth McDonald and her guests Florence Campbell and Eleanor Revore of Compassionate Communities Kingston. Well, and, uh, and something else that's striking me about this is that Sometimes there are organizations that provide services, uh, but in a very detached way. They're going to help somebody out there in the community who has some need. I'm hearing in in, uh, your description of the process, and, and Florence, your description of the other initiatives, the other themes, that not only is... Compassionate Communities Kingston talking about the need or lifting up as a goal, we have to be able to ask for help and 
figure out when we can offer it. You've been living that in the course of this project. You, it's been about asking for help and people that you've known in the past, these other relationships, people seeing an opportunity to offer a skill and experience, some knowledge in, in a very different way that uh, you said serendipitous, uh, unexpected. Mm -hmm. So in, in a very real way, it's not just what you're wanting to do for the rest of us in the community. You're living this goal. And, and I say, this has been just a very exciting, fun experience. And exactly as you identify, it is about the relationships. It is about asking. And it is about actually being very um, welcomed and surprised by how willingly support comes. So it is translating action in or is translating feeling or idea into action which ex is ex exactly what compassion is about now are you able at this point to tell us any of the organizations whose stories uh, you're you're uh, gathering is it is it uh, right. premature or can you give us no. a um, it's not premature to identify what the organizations are um, but the stories will will right. unfold and become available um, the advanced care planning, which Florence has referenced, is one of the groups that have been um, approached, and they've identified why volunteers have become so willing to offer education and become part of that. And they've talked to people who have taken some of the education programming and what difference that's made to them. Um, one of the other initiatives is around death doulas, so mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a relatively new concept. It's probably little known in Kingston. It's probably less known that there's even a program in Kingston for death doulas. And, but the students have been able to speak to individuals who have that role and, and also to people who had the access and value of that service. So those are two examples of the six projects. Well, hearing you describe these examples, I know there's many people who are going to go to the website to find out more. That's what we hope. <laughs> what about, uh, there might also be people involved in organizations who say, wow, this is something we might like to be part of. Is there, do you have uh, at this point, is there any possibility of a, an organization getting in touch and saying, well, here we are, uh, we've got a story you might be interested in? Absolutely. And, and actually, that's, that's part of the thinking around starting this work is, one, the stories can be used on the website, but it could be that they also um, capture the interest of others, and there might be other ways to promote them through mm -hmm. different media. So, you know, Elizabeth, you've been wonderful sharing this as a story. Yeah. So, so that's part of the awareness building. Mm -hmm. um, and you're right. If anybody is interested in sort of that approach to not only describing the service, but getting into the details of the, those who provide it and those who receive it to, to get that connection between people then the website um, definitely gives all of our contacts. That's good. Now, listeners to Time of, uh, Time of Your Life will already know a little bit about the advanced care planning story because, Florence, we've talked to you about this uh, some time ago when you were just beginning the workshops. Uh, can, you, uh, can you update us? H how have the workshops been going? What kind of response has there been? Well, 
we're concentrating on getting conversations started in two-hour seminars. And there are about 180 citizens who have now been through these uh, two-hour workshops. We did two just at the end of January, as a matter of fact. And what's very exciting is that April 16 is National Advanced Care Planning Day in Canada and actually around the world. Around the world? Around the world. Okay. And so what we're hoping to do is raise awareness about how important advanced care planning is on that day. And I'll just tell you a little bit about one uh, project that's underway because, you know, the theme this year for Advanced Care Planning Day is a life well lived is a life well planned. Mm. So we are presenting a play... Tell us about the play. The night of April 16, from 7 to 9 o'clock at Portsmouth Harbor, a play written by Queen's Law Professor Martha Bailey, and it's called Life Support. It was presented last spring in Kingston, and the actors have agreed to do it again for it. It's a short play, and we're following it with a discussion led by three facilitators. This play deals with the question raised recently in the Ontario Court of Appeal. It's a real live case whether the accepted medical criteria for determining brain death can be challenged on constitutional grounds. And one of our local judges, Brian Abrams, plays the role of the judge in the play. You can likely guess that there was a lot of conflict. So do join us. Uh, it's going to be first come, first served. And watch our website for further details. But it will be from 7 to 9 at Portsmouth Harbor on April 16th. Now, I, I think that seeing a play like this or going to one of your seminars, that will be, for some people, the very first step. <laughs> totally. What, what needs to happen after the play, after the seminar? And, and have you been giving thought to next steps? We have, actually. We're in the process of developing what we're calling Phase 2. And one of the interesting things we're finding is that people are really having trouble deciding what their values and wishes are. In other words, if what, who will speak for you if you can't speak for yourself? And what, what are you going to tell them about what your wishes are at end of life or if, you're, if you can't speak for yourself? That seems to be not always easy. So we're, we're now just in the process of developing what kind of help can we provide as a next step. Mm-hmm. Now, as these uh, as interest grows, I can uh, anticipate that there's going to be more interest, more demand for these kinds of seminars. Uh, who, who's actually providing them? Well, uh, our advanced care planning small steering group as well has uh, held two train the trainer sessions in Kingston, and we have some people who have been trained from Westport and Prince Edward County, and we're looking to do another uh, training session for facilitators uh, in the spring, maybe in one of the other communities uh, around Kingston. So we're trying to spread it beyond Kingston. So we have, I think, about a dozen people who are now as trained facilitators to provide these seminars. So um, we'll be putting... Watch our website. I should give you the site, the name of the website. Absolutely. Please tell us the website. It's www.compassionatekingston.ca. And contact us if you want any information about anything Eleanor's told you about or about anything about our initiative or if you're interested in advanced care planning. And we'll be planning some more seminars pretty soon. All right. Now, you both have been involved in, in uh, really bringing 
Compassionate Communities Kingston to life here in Kingston. You've been at this, working very hard. What um, what do you see ahead in the in the coming months and years? What are what are you looking forward to? As I'm going to ask each of you, as as uh, members of the steering committee, as people who caught the vision and you've been running with it, what uh, what what do you see ahead? We'll start with you, Florence. Well, when we had a first meeting two years ago, and this month actually, and we were hoping for 30 people to come, there was a waiting list at 65. So we learned immediately that there's a high degree of interest. And we're impressed with the number of volunteers who want to become involved. One of the participants at that meeting said, what we really want to grow is a wildflower garden. So that initiatives pop up that are compassionate and that, but we can all have a very large tent so that all these wildflowers can thrive in this garden. That's a visual metaphor that I've not forgotten, actually. So we would like to grow a beautiful wildflower garden. And hopefully there'll be a few bees or pollinating uh, insects that are going to do a lot of cross-pollination oh, so. in that garden. Eleanor, yeah. for you, as you look ahead. I think it's an extension of that, that metaphor. I think it's a very organic process. And what's going to be key is ensuring that we talk about it and where we capture interest of others to welcome them into whatever area of this work they choose, and then to allow it to grow. And I think we'll know that we um, have landed this when we see the numbers just continually growing and it happening at a very organic, natural level where it's not taking a steering committee to really drive the work. Eleanor Ravor, Florence Campbell, thank you very much. I'm Elizabeth McDonald for Time of Your Life. There's more information about Compassionate Communities Kingston online at compassionatekingston.ca. Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, Ontario at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples. The CFRC Podcast Network at podcast.cfrc.ca is brought to you by the generous support of the Queen's University Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences. Hey.